was dead in sin, alone in a hopeless. A child of life that worked, condemned in darkness. Your mercy brought new life, and in your loving kindness, raised me up with Christ and made me righteous.
the things that come from face We'll know that you are holy We'll know that you are holy We will sing our
Awesome time of worship. But we want to continue in our worship this morning through giving. We've tried to make that as easy as possible for you here. So you can either go to our website or our mobile app to give. It's time to jump into the word with Pastor Mike. We're really excited to hear what he has to say, so let's head on over. Hey, great to have you back at Missionville Christian Church. If you're following with us each week, you know that we're in a series through the book of 1 Thessalonians called Ready or Not. And uh, man, I tell you, if I want everybody to be ready when Jesus Christ returns, and that's basically what the book is about in 1 Thessalonians, written by a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul, who was just absolutely passionate about advancing the good news to anyone that would believe and establishing these churches in the first century. It really is an exciting journey to follow the Apostle Paul on all of his missionary journeys. This particular one here was written to a city called Thessalonica. It's really cool because Paul was there for about three weeks, very short time. He um, shared the good news with uh, a group of people and all of a sudden there were leaders that started to emerge there was a huge riot in the city. People didn't like Paul there that were not part of the church. And so basically they, threw, they, 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 they drove him out of the city. And so they started this church on their own. And all of a sudden it started growing and it started growing and growing and growing. And through that, um, there was a lot of persecution that came to the church. So when God designed here this church in Thessalonica, it was really not about where they were meeting as much as who was meeting. The church is always about the people getting connected together into one body so it can function with every part to glorify God. And that's what this fifth chapter is about. It's about getting along together. It's about working together. Now, um, most of you know what this is. This is uh, one Lego piece. Um, when I was a kid, I played with Legos. Um, my kids still play with Legos. It's cool. I still like doing Legos. Um, one piece is kind of boring. My life, before I accepted the Lord, kind of was represented like this one piece of Lego. Um, basically, life was all about me. <laughs> me, myself, and I. It was about my goals, my agenda, and uh, I was very selfish, and so I just kind of was on my own. But when I accepted the Lord, I found out very quickly that I was part of a bigger plan that God had of other people. Other people that had found the very thing that I had found, a relationship with God. And now we're working together the way God designed it in the Bible. We are interconnected as a family, as a team, as a moving uh, movement for God that are basically working together with different gifts and talents to glorify God and advance the good news for people. So um, when we work together, cool things can happen, like building this Star Wars X-Wing fighter. Man, this is so cool. And this is what happens when we put all the pieces together. And um, it kind of reminds me about 2 Chronicles chapter 7. When uh, the Israelites were together, Solomon, David's son, had just um, ordered the temple to be built where they could worship the Lord. 
And just real quick, I'll recap this because it relates to where we're going in chapter 5. God calls down this huge fire from heaven and all the Israelites couldn't go into the temple. They were outside and it literally says in that seventh chapter, the first three verses, that everybody fell on their faces before God. All of them fell on their faces before the Lord in humility and they worshiped the Lord and the priests came out and had offerings and they basically worshiped the Lord. They were all together and they all worshiped God and the presence of God was there. That picture right there is what I believe God wants to do once again when we as Christ followers, if you're a Christ follower, when we get together and we worship God and we work together and we're a team for Jesus Christ, God's presence comes in a powerful way. You know, in, in Psalm 133 verse three, it says God loves it when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It is there that God commands a blessing. Right there in 2 Chronicles 7, there was a blessing that came because everyone was in unity together. Not that they were all the same, but they were focused on the same thing, and that was God. In the very same way, the New Testament church, we are part of God's family. Man, when we are interconnected and we are so focused together on the goal of following God and doing what Christ commanded us to do, the presence of God can come and God commands a blessing on all of us. I am longing to see that. One family, one mission, one purpose. So let's read this text together. If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you have your Bible app, you can open up or you can just listen. I'm going to read uh, 12 through 15. Paul is writing this to the believers who were going through persecution and probably they had some strife and problems and disagreements in the church and he wants them to get on the same page. So here's what he says. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, notice that he includes everybody, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle or disruptive and encourage the disheartened. Help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everybody else. Now let's just break down this a little bit. God is saying through the pen of the Apostle Paul, look, there are certain people in the church who lead you. God has given pastors and leaders and teachers to care for your soul, to protect you, to watch out for the evil one who's going to come and bring disruption to the church. And they watch, they're very, they're very watchful over your soul. And so we want to make sure we understand that God has brought within the team certain players that help set the play. So what God is saying, if we were likened to like a football team, Jesus is our head coach. He's got the uh, 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 other coaches on the team, and then the head coach calls the play through the New Testament, and then his coaches, if you will, bring it to the team, the rest of the team, and we all know our place on the team, and we're working together. We all know our roles, and we're working together to move the ball down the field to score a touchdown, if you will, spiritual touchdown. Now, the spiritual touchdown, to me, looks like exactly what he's saying here in the New Testament. We want to bring as many people as we can to Jesus Christ, and we want to make disciples who make disciples. And that means we must live in peace with each other. And he's saying, look, I urge you, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. We don't want anyone to get out of their lane. We want everyone to stay in their lane as we work together for the gospel. So he says, live in peace, warn those who are disruptive, and honor the leadership that's with you. They're there to help you continue to follow Jesus Christ. 
So he says here real clear, I want you to rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Here in verse 16, he says, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So question I have is in these first few verses that we read, what do leaders do? Why does God give us leaders? Why do we even need leaders? Why can't we just all kind of be leaders and just kind of do whatever we want? Well, God is a God of order, and He wants His church to function at its highest capacity. So therefore, He gives leaders, pastors, and shepherds to help the flock to be in order so we can accomplish moving the ball down the field. I hope this is making sense. So He says there basically that leaders are to work hard. Leaders work hard. Pastors do not, leaders, teachers, God has given leaders in any kind of Christian organization um, not to play golf for five days a week, roll out of bed and just kind of give a pastoral message on Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or whatever capacity it is, whether it's children or youth ministry. Um, man, we are to work hard. We are to work long hours. We are to give it our very all. And so um, he says here that um, the leaders among you working hard, staying focused on making sure that the flock, the people of God, understand the plan, understand the play, they understand their role, and now we are all moving together in unity. Secondly is, um, leaders are to follow the chief shepherd. That's definitely evident. He's the head coach. Jesus is our chief shepherd. He calls the play. So in Ephesians 4, just a couple of books back, um, the apostle Paul writes this about the role and why he's given us the, the uh, shepherds for the flock of God. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow be to become in every respect the ma uh, mature body of him who is the head, Jesus Christ. So he's basically saying we want to continue to grow into the likeness of Christ together. Notice that it's not isolated. This is not I. This is about we. So basically, um, there are five good markers from the Word of God about church leaders. One is they teach and preach the Word of God. That is the devotion and most of their time is to be about the study of the word and present the word and teach the word so that the flock of God can be growing in the word of God. Second is they take care of the flock. They take care of the people by teaching and modeling following Jesus Christ. The third thing is they are to be about prayer and the ministry of the word. They are to be prayer warriors and teaching prayer to the flock so that they can use the weapon of prayer against the enemy and grow in our own intimacy with God. Um, number four is very clearly there to set the vision. They are to set the vision that they get from God for the church and here's where we're going. If we don't have clarity in the church, on the team, we don't know where we're going. And so it's very important that leaders have a clear direction on this is where we're going. This is how we're going to accomplish the goals that God's given us. The last one is they're there to protect you. They're there to raise you up to lead and serve. It's almost like, you know, pastors and teachers and leaders, whatever capacity, whether it's children's pastor, youth pastor, administrative pastors, lead pastors, associate pastors, whatever capacity it might be, and teachers, whether it be in any kind of capacity, are given to the people of God to kind of work themselves out of a job, if you will. We want to 
pray and find leaders so that everybody gets the joy of serving. And that's the way the Apostle Paul has designed it. So I want you to just kind of notice as he writes this letter, he's writing in the context of we. This is not about me. This is not about you. This is about we together. So my job, your job, is simply this, to get in the flow of what God is doing. He says very clearly, live in peace with each other. And when we are not in peace with each other, we are to help one another to stay in our lane. Now, the average American statistic, or the average church, I should say, through an American uh, statistics church in America, says that um, there's basically a 20-80 rule. The 20-80 rule is basically this. 20% of the people in church participate, and 80% of the people spectate. And that's kind of just a common rule for most churches. I just want you to imagine for a moment, if we, rev- if we again, there's that word, we, so what was the message about? What was this teaching about? This message is about we. If we were to reverse that, 80% of the people who call themselves Christians in a local church are actually participating with their life solely devoted to Jesus Christ and to that local church, and 20% are spectating, and then those 20% jump in because they want to get in the flow of where God is working with the other 80%. That's what we want to see happen here at MVCC. People walking in, they want to see something of substance. They want to see something real. They want to see something living, active. They want to see God working. And we know that God always works through His people. I just want to make an illustration here, a reference to Acts chapter 2, while we're talking about you know, the early church. When Thessalonians was written, um, it was written years after when the apostles started the church in Jerusalem. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. This is Acts 2, verse 1. They were all together in one place. Just like what we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, that reference, that all the Israelites were in one place. That tells me this. We have to be together. We have to be together. I can't just do church by myself church is people. It is literally called the ecclesia, the called out ones gathering together in community. And it's not just gathering together just to be together, but it's gathering together for the common good and the common goal of following Christ. You know, I found when we're in a healthy place of community, it helps us to become more like Jesus because you're around like-minded people. It's just kind of naturally, organically, just kind of flows when you commit yourself to being in community with other people who want the very same thing. It says in Acts chapter 2, in that same reference, that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, man. I tell you, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we are together, God is unleashed in His power. And so I I just believe that God wants to bless us so much more than what we could even imagine. But I think what God is trying to do here in this text in the Thessalonian church is he's trying to help them to see through the Apostle Paul. He's trying to get the me out of them and help them to focus more on the we being together. You know, one of the things that I I say a, a lot here at Missionville Christian Church is one of my roles I just feel called here to do is to beat the OC out of us. 
And the OC basically means I can handle this on my own. I can do life on my own. I really don't need anybody else. If I need some help, I'll let you know. But that is so contrary to the way God designed church to be. We are to lean into one another for two reasons. We need help. We need encouragement. Everybody needs help to follow Jesus Christ. But then if I don't lean into somebody else, I don't give them the opportunity to lean into me and help me. I hope this is making sense, that this is all about the we and not about the me. You know, we, we read in 1 Thessalonians 4 a couple of weeks ago about the rapture. The rapture is not, a very, is not an independent thing. The rapture is all about we because it says in chapter 4, then we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, but we will be caught up in the Lord or in the air to meet the Lord with all the other saints. So again, this whole concept of community, when we aren't feeling it, when all of a sudden, you know, Christianity kind of just is dry, um, all of a sudden, you know, I don't know, whatever church you might be going to or part of, all of a sudden the sermons don't really wow me anymore, and it just kind of becomes apathetic and just kind of be easier to stay home. When I'm not feeling it, that's when I need community because I need brothers and sisters to keep pushing and challenging me and driving me not to become complacent and apathetic. When I stumble in my walk with God, I need someone who can help pull me up, dust me off, and encourage me to get back in the game. Um, when I'm in a crisis, and if you've lived more than about 10 minutes, you know that there are crises out there. You're going to be hit by something. I need brothers and sisters who I know that are out for me, meaning that they are watching out for my soul, that we're in community together. When life comes crashing down, I need someone with me. When I don't know what to do in life about relationships and marriage and raising kids and taking these classes, going to school, and what am I going to choose as my vocation and what does God want me to do with my life? I need community. We need one another. The we is here and he's given the church of Jesus so that we can continue to follow Christ. Um, I just want to make one reference here about what I think the Apostle Paul is saying because he made a reference in Acts chapter 19. He was in the city of Ephesus. He was in there, man, preaching the gospel to the Ephesian people. Things were happening, but there was a thing that was in that city. Um, they worshipped many, many little false gods, little g-gods, idols. And one of those idols was named Artemis. In fact, this was so intense that they literally built these idols out of silver and they were making money off of this. A, a lot of the city's revenue came from these idols that they would build behind the scenes. When Paul came in and shared the goodness of Jesus Christ, all of a sudden there were people who got saved and they didn't want to follow the idols anymore. Now they wanted to follow the one true living God, so they stopped buying the idols, literally made out of silver. And so the businesses were going belly up and the guys who owned the businesses were really mad at Paul. So they threw him out in the middle of the city. They started beating him and they had a riot. Once again, Paul's in trouble. And there's a crowd literally together in the 19th chapter of the book of Acts. And it says for two hours, they shouted one thing for two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. For two hours they chanted. I thought about that and I thought about, man, even if they were following a false god, they were in unity, man. They were in harmony together. 
What if we as believers for two minutes shouted together on Sunday mornings, whatever church we're involved in, and we really worship God from the heart, man? What if we, we just locked arm and arm with brothers and sisters, spiritually speaking, and we just, great is Jesus Christ. There is no God like him. Great is Jesus Christ. There is no God like him. And it really came from the heart and it was out of a total surrender. Think if we did that for like minutes on end, not two hours, but like minutes. And if it came from the heart, it would just be a wonderful picture of unity and brotherly love, which is what Paul is encouraging the Thessalonians to do. So just some, some closing thoughts here to kind of wrap this up. I always want to give us something to do out of the word. I think it's really clear, number one, that we are part of the we. That's number one. We are family, man. We are family together. And I think this starts in the home. If you are married, if you are divorced, if you have children, whatever capacity of your family, what that looks like, that's got to start in the home. Building community for Jesus Christ in our home with our families is absolutely paramount. Joshua 24, 15 says, for me and my house, man, we will serve the Lord. And so if you are a leader in any capacity, you've got to throw your, your flag in the ground and say, look, we are going to worship the Lord. This family exists for Jesus Christ. You got to decide what kind of leader you want to be. Are you going to be a mealy mouth leader that just kind of spineless. I'm not sure where we're going. If I really take my kids to church, they might not like it. Hey, our family stands for Jesus Christ. You got to make that commitment. Number two is we got to get together. We got to get together. Building community. And I think um, we are so absolutely devoted to this at Mission Vale Christian Church. We have a full-time staff member. His name is Pastor Scott. And so when uh, we brought him on staff, I really felt like this was the guy to really help us to get life groups off the ground. Life groups are just simply community groups. And we get together and we do life together. We're doing church together. So church is much more than just gathering together for a service on Sunday morning. Man, we are intertwined. We are community. We are a team. And we are a movement together. I love what uh, chapter 4 in 1 Thessalonians talked about. Um, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 24 on Easter. I talked about this, that... The guys that were on the road uh, and Jesus met up with them after the resurrection, it says, man, didn't you sense that our hearts were burning when we were listening to his word? I just think these life groups should be like the burning hearts club, man, where we're just, our hearts are burning for God together. It's all about the we and not about me. Here's, here's the last thing. I just want you to look for that one. If you're not a part of a community, if you're feeling kind of lost or lonely or you don't have that community, and I just want to encourage you to look for that one and start a community here at MVCC where we lean into each other. I hope this has been helpful. Man, if you um, feel far away from God, I just want you to know he's one prayer away of putting your faith in him. And we love to help you with that here at MVCC. We still have live services here at 10 a.m. every Sunday, but you can always catch us online and catch us on the app. I'm really glad that you're with us and uh, just want to encourage you to follow and share this message if it's been helpful for you. God bless and we will see you next week in 2 Thessalonians.